Jesus, thank you that you're more than enough. Thank you that you're more than we even realize that you are. Thank you for your faithfulness, and we ask that you would you'd speak to us this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'm glad that you are here on this 4th of July weekend, and you weathered the rain. I don't, I don't know that Louisville knows that we don't melt in the rain. We kind of... <laughs> We run from it, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, as Jamal and Joshua said, we're finishing up this series, and we're finishing up with this topic of love recklessly. And every church I've ever been a part of values love. We should, right? It should be something that's essentially at the core of who we are, and yet love recklessly feels very different. And so I want to ask you, what is the most reckless thing you ever did? Somebody's got a story, a quicker version legal the most legal reckless thing you ever did nobody we are the most <laughs> yeah we said legal so yeah just shortcut every story short when we added legal to that one That's pretty reckless. <laughs> I would just say hiking is reckless. <laughs> Machete as well. Anybody else? Ran through the desert in the Middle East in the middle of the night. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. He actually flew there to do that. Like no one was chasing really. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's pretty reckless. Every time that my bride goes to Ethiopia, she comes back with 12 stories of being extremely reckless. Like uh, one time she took babies from an orphanage and brought them to a hospital without permission. Yeah, yeah. That's internationally illegal, so it's okay. It's totally different. Tons of reckless things. And, and sometimes they're really loving things that we do reckless. But usually it's just reckless, right? I mean, reckless is about, like, no regard for anybody. That's kind of the definition of it. I, I'm not thinking about you. I'm not thinking about me. I'm just going and behaving reckless. But this idea of love recklessly, that's, that's pretty different. Here at One Church, we are committed to loving recklessly, and, and we need that to be defined. And if we're really honest, the, the commitment to loving recklessly is, is part of the weight that we feel on Sundays. That's part of what we feel when we get together, and, and honestly, the, and when we miss people who used to be a part of it. We're, we're calling, we're called to this deep thing, to this love that's that's bigger than a love that any church I've ever been a part of has asked me to do this sacrificial reckless love where there's no guarantee of the response because that's kind of our deal with love right we always have this kind of conditional thing going on and so what does it look like to love recklessly we we have to look at Jesus we have to look at the way that he protected folks 
the way that he stood beside folks, the way that he, he taught and, and he cared and he invested his life uh, on behalf of people. I think of the, the woman who was caught in adultery and how he, he used his wisdom and his calm to, to make it so that she wasn't stoned. Like that, that's, if, if we really think about that, that's a, that's a heated environment. It's probably very difficult when a group of people grab stones and are ready to throw them, it's probably pretty difficult to calm them down, right? Yeah. Like once you've escalated to the point that the stone is in your hand, you're kind of there. Yeah. But he protects her. His disciples, he invests in time after time after time. And it's not like he invests in 11 of them. He invests in 12. Not good returns on, on that 12th one. But he loved her recklessly. He went to the cross. He took my weight. He took your weight, the weight of all of our sins. And had that moment where the, the father, like there was separation for the first time ever. And his soul ached and cried out. And then he conquered death. And it's not like he conquered death and then just said, okay, I'm good. He conquered death and then came back and continued to teach and instruct. And make sure that people knew what life was about to look like. I would say he loved recklessly because, well, recklessly means that not everything produces this positive return. He gave of himself beyond what he probably should have gave of himself, beyond what was expected or anything like that. And some people just downright don't like it and came against him. And he was crucified for that very thing. And, and yet that's how he loved and he gave us this command in John 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know that we're his disciples by our love. Every time I read this, I think, is this true? And every time I ask, if, is this true, I kind of hang my head. Because I don't know if, as people look at the U.S. church, if they say, man, those are a loving group of people. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not quite sure we're there yet. I think they say stuff. I think people have opinions of us. And unfortunately, I think we've earned them. But I don't think we're there yet where it's said as, as people on the outside look at the church. I don't think it's yet said where they say, hey, that group... They're messy in 15 other ways, but they love. But that's our aim. We're to be like Jesus here, to keep his command, to love one another. And that right away makes me wonder, how did Jesus do it? How did he love? And then, and then it makes me think he did it perfectly. And then I want to just lay down and quit and cry. Because we can't do that, right? But beyond perfectly, like beyond the result, how did Jesus actually love? Like what was it that allowed him to love like that, not, not the results, but how did he actually love? It makes me think of, in, in Luke 3, there's that moment, before Jesus did anything ministry-wide, like, sometimes I think about this, he, he like grew up before he, he did any ministry, and he, and he goes to be baptized, and as he's being baptized, the, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. When I was a kid, I thought it was as a dove, I thought it was the most terrifying sight ever. It's like this, like, 
giant dove comes flying at Jesus. But it's like a dove, and so it's probably pretty. And the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and the Father cries out, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And we need to hear that, because that's said before he did a thing, even to Jesus. He didn't yet heal. He didn't yet teach. He didn't yet give his life. Before all of that, the Father announces to the world, parts heaven, parts the skies, and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In Luke 4, that very spirit that descended on him like a dove, that spirit leads him into the wilderness and is his companion in the wilderness. And and then later in that chapter, that, that same spirit leads him into ministry. Leads him to the passage in Isaiah where he, he opens up and shares God's heart and says that this time is right now. We see in Matthew 1 that that spirit leads him to go and be with the Father alone. And when the whole city is around him, wanting him to heal, wanting him to teach. He's got this giant crowd where he could just love all of them. He stays committed to what the Father calls him to do. He stays in this spot where he, is identi- he finds his identity in the Father, and he's filled with the Spirit, and he, he leaves. He says, no, I need to go where my Father calls me to go. Because my entire identity is in who he says I am. And so I, I need to go, and I'm, I'm going to love recklessly, but it... You see this as foolish for me to leave these people that are just fertile soil right here. You see this as reckless, but I need to go because my father says to go. And he goes, and he goes to a place where people misunderstand him, and they don't like what he's doing. He calls his 12, but then everyone's like, I don't like the 12 that you picked. And and this is where his family comes against him. We talked about this before, where his mom, like, tries to corner him. And the Father, his identity being found in the Father, gives him courage to stand even when people are standing against him. Dear people. And I say, no, I need to go where I need to go, even if you're not with me. I need to do this out of love. Love isn't pacifying everyone. Love isn't saying, like, oh, we're all good. That's, that's not the case. Love, this reckless love is found when our identity is locked and who the Father calls us to be, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we go where he leads and invite everybody into the kingdom. That's when we take our focus off of perfection. We can place it on where, how Jesus was empowered to love. He was empowered to be this per- Yes, he was perfect, and he was God, and I'm not saying any of those things are not true, but in, in, in the same way, it was... The fact that his identity was completely locked in as the Father's Son. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that those things are offered to us as well. (laughs) We're God's daughters and sons. His Spirit is available to to fill us. And so what, what does this look like? What will it look like if we love? I I kind of always like love in my own strength. I don't know if you do this. I'm like the little kid who doesn't know how to swing and, and I just like end up making the swing go like this. And I, I don't want the put, I don't want help. I want to figure it out on my own and then I'm shocked that I get tired and exhausted and frustrated and discouraged. I think of this, this 
dog I had, I know I talked to some of you about it before, I had a dog named Toby that just laid under blankets, but I had another dog named Bozo, who was a Bozo. And he, he looked kind of like Splinter from Ninja Turtles, but he was a dog. Really ugly thing. He probably had like 12 diseases, I don't know. But he, he, he was this ugly little dog that wanted to be friends with everybody. And we had a neighbor dog on one side named Duffy, who was really kind of, I, I think Duffy had a membership at the country club and was too good for everybody. And then we had these two giant Samoyeds on the other side that, that like bullied the entire neighborhood. And I remember Bozo always tried to run next to Duffy and Duffy would have nothing to do with it. And then he snuck under the fence to Samson. And Samson bit him and like bit up his back all nasty. And, and Bozo came back crying and looking even uglier than he started. And uh, he, <laughs> he just like laid under a blanket. It was like, I can't believe someone would bite me. And like, you're ugly. You look more like food than a dog. And he, he just laid there until his back got better. We like brought him to the doctor and like, what do we do with this? And like, just feed him, he's your dog. And so we took care of him and, and then his, his back got a little better. And the day that he could play again, he ran right back to Samson's house. And uh, he got bit again, and it's an ugly ending to the story. But the point is, <laughs> the point of it is, we see that kind of thing, and we say, I will not be like Bozo. I got bit once. That person was mean to me. That person acted like they were too good for me, like Duffy, or that person really had it out for me and beat me up, I'm never opening up again. I'm not stupid. I'm not getting hurt again. I loved once. That was just innocence and I was naive. If I dare love twice, then I'm an idiot. And that silly little dog Bozo taught me quite a bit. That sure, sometimes it takes some time to go heal, forgive, all that kind of stuff, but we're, we're, we're called to go love. And it's not just one, it's, it's all of us out recklessly loving with no guarantee of how that will look, with no guarantee of what the results will be. That's what's so tricky about this thing, right? Like before I parented, I thought that there was like guarantee A plus B equals C. It's not that. So far my life as a dad has been A plus B equals red. And that makes no sense to me. <laughs> And I can't figure that one out. And I scramble the letters and I still get a color. And I, I don't get it. But where I'm at fault is I keep trying to love on my own strength. I keep trying to love towards a result. That if I do this long enough, that will change something. God doesn't guarantee that. He guarantees that the world will know we're his by our love. But we can know we're his well before that, right? That's at the very core of this. We're his daughters, we're his sons. We're filled with his spirit. John writes it this way, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God's loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and that he is in us. He has given us his spirit.
It's those moments when, when you've got the bite marks. When you've been snubbed, his spirit is what, what heals us. His spirit's what restores us. This community where we should be able to come in and love recklessly, safely together. This is like, this is our practice field. We're all on one team here. And so we kind of get out some of the, the quirks and insecurities right here. That's where we heal up. And we as a community decide, no, you know what old Louisville needs is it needs to see the love of Christ. Amen. And if it needs to see the love of Christ, it's not in like some safe, like in the box little way. Yeah. It's in some wild, giant, reckless kind of way where they can choose yes or they can choose no, but they can't choose to ignore. Amen. That's what this love looks like. So I watched it this week a little bit. Uh, Kat and Brian and I took six of our youth to Chicago. If you guys were there, are they in the room or are they serving places? They're serving places, I think, mostly. Well, Carter's back there running the soundboard. But uh, <laughs> six, of, six of our youth, and that's really easy to be like, is that worth a week? You know, I mean, we have those questions, right? We have those thoughts. Is this worth a week or should we just like cancel it, do it later when we have like 400? Maybe that's the only time that it's worth it. We go with six, six youth, and there were uh, 10 people from Spokane, Washington, who worshiped with us, went up with us. So this little group of 19 went to Calumet Park. We showed up at this church, and we said, hey, we're going to, we want to just serve you and love you. And I'm being honest, it's Sean's church, you know Sean. Uh, they didn't know what to do. They're like, what do, you, what do you mean? Oh, we'll feed you lots. And like, that's fantastic, but we're actually here to serve you. And there's like this tense thing for a little bit, like, well, we'll feed you more. Well, we'll try to love you more. And just like this real awkward, like, well, then you need dessert. But crazy conversations started to happen. There was this older man named Ben who we fell in love with, who uh, Sean told me sometimes doesn't have anything to do. His wife passed a few years ago. He's retired. He's devoted his life to Calumet Park. But Calumet Park, sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. Right away we heard stories about all the, the murders and shootings that have happened, not only in all of Chicago, but right in that little city and, and that village. And there's just a heaviness to it. But everywhere Ben went last week, we all went. And I think by the end of it, Ben looked about 10 years younger. And wanted pictures with everyone and phone numbers with everyone and like was so proud of the signs that we made and the t-shirts that we made and the, we, we, we spent probably an hour, hour and a half making out these hand-drawn little VBS invites that didn't have an address, they were spelled wrong, all this kind of stuff. But there was something beautiful about it because we were proud of these goofy little things that we, we went and handed out all over the village. And then they had this thing where they're like, okay. You guys are young, so we're going to kind of tame things down for you a little bit because you're younger. We're like, whew, this is good. And so here's what taming things down in outreach looks like in Calumet Park. They said, we're going to go to I-57, and right at the exits of I-57, at the stoplights, when the car stops, go run to the car. <laughs> I tell you this after we bring your kids back. They said, go run to the car with a water bottle and an invite to VBS and some Bible verses and say, hey, can, 
But they have this whole thing that they've like made us rhythmically repeat, like, hey, we are Christians. We just want you to know Jesus loves you. And we said it like 5,000 times. And you go to the car, and like the first time, people are like, I am. <laughs> you know, because we don't do that here. And you're afraid, like, are they going to take the water? And if they don't take the water, are they personally rejecting me to my soul? One of, one of the kids from Spokane said, uh, I was like, how was this? And he was like, it was really great, but a couple people were really, really mean. They didn't roll down their window. I was like, I, that's really, really mean. Like, we've got a really nice life. But that's enough to make us not love sometimes, right? Well, they didn't roll down their window, so I don't have to love them. So we watched these kids at first like, oh, this is silly. I don't think this will work. I don't, nobody has time for this. All of a sudden, these same kids are at, like, God is supernaturally making these lights long. And these young middle school and high school kids are laying hands through a window, praying for people. We ran out of water, and I just thought for sure, well, that's the end. Like, there's no water. There's no way. No. The kids were like, no. So let's just pray. Let's just go to the windows and pray. So they're, like, going in these... <laughs> hand painted the stencil was made out of a donut box no lie they're going in these t-shirts you can't even read bright green thankfully so traffic doesn't hit them and they're going up and just knocking on windows can I pray for you and they forgot the whole script they're saying can I pray for you and they, they do I'm, I'm hearing a story my little guy Durant is up at a window and it's his turn to pray and the first couple times no I can't pray no I can't yeah I'm praying it's a young couple, and he says something. This is my paraphrase, but he said it better, I'm sure. But he's like, Jesus, be with this couple. And when that guy does bad stuff, and then he opens his eyes and says, I'm not saying you're doing bad stuff. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but like if you ever do. Like if that ever happened, I'm wishing it on you. And he closes his eyes and says, if that guy ever does bad stuff, will you remind him that you love him? And I tell you, my boy knows to do that because somehow he, God was gracious enough to get him out of his environment and remind him that he loves him. And for a few days, he sat in the fact that Jesus loves me. And there was nothing to do but go to a car window and say, do you know it? Because I, I just got reminded, do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he loves you? I went up to this one window, and, uh, you know, like, when you're the adult, you only do, like, half the stuff, right? We all know that. But I was like, no, I'll do this. This is kind of fun. And I go up, and I offer water to this woman, and she doesn't really want water, and everybody's trying to pay you. And uh, I don't think anyone took money. Maybe a couple people made some money. I didn't take any money because I knew I'd probably preach about it. So I, I gave her the water. And uh, we had this whole script that I told you about, but I changed the script on her because I probably forgot it. And, and I was like, we don't, we, I don't need your money. This water's for free. I just came here because I, nobody should be alone. Nobody should have to feel alone. And then I was like, why did I say that? She's alone in a car. <laughs> and this woman starts crying. She said, two blocks up, my nephew just got shot and he's paralyzed. And my family doesn't know what to do. And we all feel completely alone. And I didn't get to say, can I pray for you? Because she said, will you pray for me? And I stood at this light, staring at this light. And I got to pray like I felt like the entire Bible. And that light stayed red until I said amen. Amen. 
funny thing at the end. She's crying, I'm crying because it doesn't take much. And, and we're crying together. And, uh, and, and she looks at the water bottle that has the correct address and the church name and all that. And she's like, I, I can't believe you guys are out here doing this. And like, yeah, well, we're just, we're, we're loved. And sometimes we need each other. And she goes, that, that's right. Uh, well, thank you, Reverend Marshall. <laughs> which is Sean's last name. The light turned green. <laughs> just like, uh, but I watched like our kids remember who they are. And I watched them get filled with the Holy Spirit and confidence that they could go do something that they would never, ever do. My kids haven't probably talked to you yet. <laughs> but they're out there telling you no that Jesus loves you, and I'll risk everything to let this stranger know that Jesus loves you. And I was reminded that that's what our church is called to do. Amen. So what does this actually look like for us? So next, next week we start a new series, Pressure Points. We're going through the book of James. Oh, we've got some, it, it's, it's going to be a blast. Um, Mac's teaching next week. If you haven't heard Mac before, you'll, you, you'll love it. Um, so he, he's going to come and preach with us. And we have small groups that are going to be happening. We have a small group Sunday morning, not next week, but starting the following week. We've got a small group Monday, Tuesday. I think we have another one that's going to happen as well. On Tuesday, you will get an email from me. This is the exact details on the small groups. If you're not on the email list, please come talk to me and we'll get a communication card. Um, not a ton of notice, but these small groups are happening. And for some of us, the most risky, reckless thing that you could do is Sunday morning already feels like a stretch. But go be reckless. And go love some people. And open up to some people. And go feel like Bozo the dog. And though you've been bit ten times before, maybe give it an eleventh. Because God's good and faithful and you're loved. And everybody doesn't remember that they're loved. So it's our job to remind each other, even if we don't want to hear it, right? So maybe you need to be a part of one of these small groups. Maybe when it comes to social media, you just do it different. I felt convicted of this a lot. Someone will make me mad, and instead of working on that relationship, it's really easy to just go passive-aggressive or sarcastic on social media, right? really easy to be upset about something but maybe we go like old school and like talk to humans like face to face maybe we restore things that way what about with our friends or family there might be things that we've held on to there might be ways we need to remind each other who we are it might mean regardless of guaranteed results that we show up present as ourselves, filled with the identity of who we are in Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if they don't like it, they don't like it. But they'll know that they're loved. Yes. Are we grounded in him individually? Is our identity locked in him and are we filled with his spirit? And if that's so, can we let that be contagious in this room and can we build up enough courage to let people outside of this gym know 
no matter what they do with it, that we're here so that they might know that they are loved by the God most high and nothing else matters. That's part of the core of who we are and we will live into this. We'll learn how together. Let's pray here. Jesus, thanks for who you are. Thanks for being bold and courageous. Thank you for sticking to what your Father gave you to do, even when it made you sweat blood out of just anxious, wanting anything else. Thank you that you never compromised who you were. You never changed. You just continued to stay fighting for the unlovables like, like me. Thank you that a few years ago you showed this quirky little middle school that you loved me. And that around this room we each have stories like that. And thank you that you reminded me of that this week through our youth group. And may we never settle for a controlled safe love but may we be a community that's marked by this reckless passionate love that can only come from you so as we gather at your table we celebrate you we celebrate your gift of life and your gift of space around your table we do this in your name